Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we discuss sustainable impact investing, creating portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as we explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego kyle from Horizons Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, how are you? It's a great day here in Santa Fe. Is it? <laughs> it nice. Is. It, it looks like we might get a storm. It's looks like it's, there's one. I know we need the rain. We always need the rain here. So I think wind's blowing in. Yeah. Well, it harkens yeah. back to a podcast we did recently about water. So yes. that rain, capture the rain, use the rain, hold exactly. on to the rain. Yeah. <laughs> hold on to all of it. That's right. But today yeah. it's a different subject altogether. It's something yeah. romantic. I, well, I, I don't know if it's romantic. <laughs> I mean, it could be. I, well, but let's, before we get started, I want to say two things. One, I want to welcome the new listeners to this podcast. We've seen a big jump in in listenership over nice. the last few months. Yeah. And so thank you for coming and listening to this podcast. And, uh, you know, I hope you're enjoying it. So that was one. And two, Eric, when I woke up this morning, I had no idea what I was going to talk about today. All right. None. <laughs> which is why my notes were late getting to you. But I started to work on a project for a client for tomorrow afternoon mm -hmm. where I was going to be sitting down with her and her fiance mm. to talk about long-term money planning between the two of them. And I, mm. I just, it was like getting whacked upside the head. I'm like, Oh, I can make this a podcast lots of people need to hear this information. So we're going to talk about some financial advice, not just for newlyweds, but any young couple who is joining a household together, or even sometimes couples who've been together for a decade or two, mm -hmm. they might need some of this advice as well. So that's what we're talking about today. You know, I think this is fantastic because I am probably old school when it comes to this, maybe, I don't know what the new schools of thought are on this. All I know is that probably the first time I ever heard that like a husband and wife keeping separate accounts, it was just completely foreign to me. I didn't, I grew up in a household where all the money was pooled together. My dad was a primary breadwinner. My mom worked part-time here and there, but she mainly stayed with us, the kids. And going into my marriage, it was the same thing with my wife's family. It was pooled money and it was one checking account. And then we kept hearing how people kept separate checking accounts and, and separate bank accounts. I'm like, why and how, what, what, why wouldn't right. you just merge everything? Cause you're married. Yeah. But there's and probably some pretty good reasons for that too. There definitely is. And you know, <laughs> I was going to say, this is not the most romantic topic, but you, you tried to throw it out there that it is being romantic and maybe it can be, All you right. know, if you're a newlywed, probably almost everything is romantic, but True. who knows? And maybe some of these discussions are best had with a glass of wine. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I used to think my, the way my wife chewed food was cute. And now I just want to leave the room. So, whatever. 
It was romantic right. back then. Yes. <laughs> but it's yeah, been 28 that's... years. Come on. Right, right. <laughs> that's a deal breaker for me. That's right. <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> But, you know, when what we need, what we're going to do is talk about not just account information, you know, this account, this type of account, joint accounts, separate accounts, um, but we want to talk about who's responsible for paying the bills and in what percentage do they pay those? How are you working towards shared goals? There's a lot of things that can be covered in this topic. So let's get started. All right, let's dive in. <laughs> Where do we start? Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the things that's important for newlyweds or new couples or old couples, I'll just say couples to discuss is both immediate planning in terms of paying your monthly bills, those types of things, but also discussing retirement and long-term goals that you have together. Hmm. Maybe you want to take a big dream vacation or you want to buy a house. You want to remodel your house. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different things that can be discussed in the way that I'm going to suggest here as we go through this, but it's a good idea to have both of, you know, the partners here to sit down and talk about these issues and come up with a shared goal and a shared plan. So let's talk about some of the avoidable I was going to call them mistakes, but let's call them mishaps okay. that new couples, especially, and sometimes couples who've been together for a while can make and solutions because I'm not, you know, me, I don't talk about problems without coming up with solutions. Absolutely. Right. So the first one here is not talking about your money past and your money beliefs. I wish I had made note of because I don't remember the top of my head, the podcast where I talked about um, money messages. Mm -hmm. And this might be a great one for anyone to, to listen to who is not sure how to approach this topic. Um, but as I said on that podcast, you know, our beliefs about money are often formed when we're very young and everybody's financial situation is different. And our experiences as a child are different. Our experiences as an adult are different. So when we're combining a household, those beliefs can sometimes work for you or against you. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, nobody's going to agree on everything. It's never going to happen. Are you sure? <laughs> what? <laughs> I know it's shocking. I know. I know I'm shocking you today, but if we really get some sort of an understanding where our partner is coming from, we may be able to come to a better consensus or an easier consensus, just having an understanding around that. So talking about your money past and your money beliefs is really important. The next one, this is kind of a big one. And I've known couples who have done this and we need to be very cognizant of keeping money secrets. Mm. And I'm not just talking about the big things like not telling a new partner that your credit score is in the toilet or, you know, I mean, there's, or you have a huge debt that you're kind of hiding because you don't want them to know prior to really solidifying your relationship. But we're also talking about tiny purchases or small purchases that we kind of sneak around to the side 
uh, <laughs> you know, that we don't want to tell mm-hmm. our partners about. Here's a really interesting and kind of funny example. So background in <laughs> when 2020 COVID hit, I had been going for years and getting mani pedis, you know, every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And when COVID hit, I couldn't go do that. So I started doing my own manicures and uh, kind of spending money on this and spending money on that, which is fine. I have my own money, but one of the websites that I buy my items from, when you check out, you can click on an add to cart that says my excuse or my, (laughs) I'm trying to remember how she phrases it, but basically you can say uh, to put a label on the package that says, this is a free gift or you've won Mm. (laughs) or, you know, those, (laughs) that's a money lie, right? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Clever, but not good. It is clever, but it's right. It, it, you know, this, this are, it leads to bigger deceptions down the road if we start with those little ones. So we need to be upfront about that. And um, according to a recent uh, creditcard.com survey, that 30% of Americans feel that financial faithlessness or infidelity, basically, is worse than physical cheating. Oh, my goodness. Right? 30%. Wow. (laughs) It could be a big deal. So let's open those doors and not go down that side road. Well, I got to, I want to comment on this because I actually used to do something fairly deceptive. um, And a buddy and I were talking about it because what I would do is if I'd go to the Home Depot or I'd go someplace, my wife really knows what we're spending and, and sees the accounts and all that stuff, but it doesn't go line by line on what you purchase. So when I'd go to the Home Depot, she knew that I'd have to get tools or supplies or whatever. I would add like 20 bucks cash back every once in a while. And the reason I would mm. do that is because there was no way that I could get money out of our joints accounts without her knowing. And so if I wanted to buy her a birthday gift, if I wanted to do anything for her anniversary, I would squirrel away little things like that (laughs) throughout the year. So I believe that's a positive thing. However, my buddy and I were talking about it and he, when I told him, well, this is what I'm doing because I shoot, I never have cash on me. So I just kind of squirrel some away and this is what I do. And he goes, I do the exact same thing because I'll add cash back because then my wife doesn't see it, but I do it because she doesn't like me gambling. Oh, Oh, dude. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, that's the wrong way to look at it. Wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, I can see what you're doing in in order to buy gifts, you know, or, you know, flowers for your wife or something without her knowing. Yeah, I I can see that. I don't think we would consider that a, a faithless. Well, that's good. I appreciate that. That 30% (laughs) won't hate me after this. So (laughs) no. next one, neglecting talking about your financial future together. Hmm. I think when I reflect on my earlier relationships, my first marriage, we never talked about what our financial future was going to look like. We Hmm. didn't even have a 10-year plan (laughs) together, which is probably why one of the reasons why we didn't stay together. (laughs) We -hmm. never really talked about these things. But a lot of your money decisions that you're making right now are going to impact not just current financial security, but 
the way you're going to be able to spend and enjoy your money in the future. So if we're looking at this together and making a plan for how we're going to pay for things, maybe again, it's a big vacation or a camper or something like that, and that you're going to have shared experiences with start early. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And honestly, this can be one of the most enjoyable conversations money-related conversations that you can have with your partner planning for the future planning for retirement yeah. planning for that big item you know <laughs> doesn't matter what it is so let's let's think about the enjoy the parts that we enjoy on talking about money too so it's not so nerve-wracking yeah absolutely yeah so the next one is letting one person in the partnership make all the money decisions. Now, we have seen traditionally men have always taken care of the money, right? I have a lot of older women clients who come to me and their husbands have passed away and they don't even know how to manage their checkbook, mm -hmm. let alone the investments that they have. But what they do know at that point is they don't want a condescending financial advisor telling them what to do. Absolutely. They want help with that. So let's avoid anything like that happening. I don't think we see that as much in today's society, but it can still happen. It's okay for one partner to kind of take the lead, right? Like you said, your wife, mm -hmm. she handles most of it. I currently take the lead on our finances and paying the bills and making sure everything is set up correctly. But for a number of years, my wife did that. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of gone back and forth. It's one of the reasons why you don't want to do this is that it is so important for both of you to have a broader understanding of your household finances and how you can tackle big money decisions together. If you don't have that understanding, it's going to be difficult for the partner who doesn't. Um, and it can help avoid surprises. <laughs> mm -hmm. What? It's the 15th and we don't have any more money until the first. <laughs> so, yeah. It, you know, it's, it, it, we want to avoid these types of surprises. Well, it was interesting because my wife does handle the finances when it comes to bills and she's very, very organized. I am not, I'm not, <laughs> not very organized at all. However, when it comes to the long-term thinking and investing and, and saving for the future and, and kind of making sure that future goals are accomplished, that's, that's my role. So that's where I was, I was really, I had no idea that she didn't think of it long-term like that. She knew this mm -hmm. is what we're going to do. We're paying this off. We're doing this. She was great with all that. But when we were talking about retirement and talking about how much money we'd have to save up for that and the plans and the investing, she's like, oh, no, no, we don't, we don't need that much money. And it wasn't a large amount, but I said, okay, let's talk about what that money represents. And you obviously as a planner know, mm -hmm. there's a point where neither one of us are going to be working at least full time whether we retire or we don't retire, it's not going to be the same income we're making now. And so we're going to have to draw off of something, right? right. And so in, in talking about that, she thought the numbers that I was throwing out was like, oh, we're going to be rich. And she's like, we don't need that. We don't need all that. And I said, no, no, mm -hmm. listen, this has to last us for possibly 35 to 40 years in quote yeah. unquote retirement. And then she had to think of it that way. I said, I want you to pay all the bills that you're currently paying with what money? 
so let's talk about where that money's going to be. And she's like, okay, now I totally get it. She goes, yeah, right? we have to have this in our, you know, coming in on a monthly basis to make sure she's covering everything. Um, and, but it was, it was definitely a conversation we waited way too long to have. I mean, we were in mm-hmm. our 40s when we had that conversation. That's not that unusual, but yes, it's important. And I, I like the sound of this because it sounds like the two of you are very complimentary mm-hmm. in this process. Um, and you were able at some point to really have that deep conversation, which is phenomenal and wonderful. I'm glad to hear it. I actually really recommend that each person in a relationship kind of take turns with the monthly process or you even do it together sometimes so that you both have a a real complete understanding of how and how everything works and where it needs to go and where it's at. I love that. Yeah, we've taken turns. So as I mentioned, now the next one is not having a safety net. this is this is sometimes difficult for young couples because your income's lower typically when you're in your 20s and 30s and thinking about a safety net sometimes doesn't even come into the picture because you're thinking all right we're just barely living paycheck to paycheck Mm -hmm. and so I want couples to start thinking about this as early as possible and eventually make sure they have their emergency fund set up, their savings emergency fund, not invested in the markets, but literally in cash. And it might take you a couple of years to get three months worth of emergency expenses saved up, but it will be worth it if you have a catastrophe. Most of us do not have long-term care or short-term care insurance, So, you know, you've got to be able to cover yourself Mm -hmm. if something happens and you're unable to work. So that's kind of a, you know, this sounds kind of like a downer, but it's not. I mean, you know, really building up an emergency fund is often one of the big goals, financial goals that couples will achieve as a team. Absolutely. And you will feel so successful once you've done that, even if you're only putting away $25 a month or 50 or a hundred, it's a team effort and a team goal. And yep. you know, once you've succeeded this together, you're probably going to be more likely to see and uh, what other money mountains you can climb together. Mm-hmm. So I like that a money mountain. Yep. Love that. I'm, I made that up earlier and I thought that sounds cheesy, but actually it doesn't. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very accurate. <laughs> yeah. So next one. Uh, it is a definite mishap to avoid having these uncomfortable money conversations. Most of us don't grow up talking about money in our families. And so when you sit down with a partner, a new partner, a partner you've been with for 10 or 20 years, whatever it happens to be, to have some of these conversations, it can be uncomfortable for sure. And, you know, sometimes they're not fun. Sometimes they are fun, but you have to decide together some of these big situations and creating your own personal family financial plan. Not That's not the job of one half of a partnership. It is the job of both parts. So being respectful, making sure that you are both available, 
and focus, have that conversation, maybe with a little glass of wine, if that helps, Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's start talking about those things. All right. We just got a couple more. So the next one is not agreeing on who's going to pay what of your monthly expenses or in what percentage. Now, you might think, what do you mean, what percentage? So I'm going to give you an example of our family. And not everyone will want to do it this way. Some people will just throw everything into one big pot. But others like myself and my wife, we decided early on that we would put a percentage of our monthly expenses each into a joint checking account. And that was just for mortgage and utilities and all of those things. And my percentage that I put in was larger than her percentage because my income was larger. Mm -hmm. So we, and we've adjusted that percentage over the years as incomes have changed, but we wanted to make it fair so that each of us would have some extra spending money. You know, if she had to put in 50%, and I put in 50%, I'd have a lot of extra money and she'd have none. Mm-hmm. So those are things to think about. Now, the next one. I like this one so much. Not asking for help when you need it. And who hmm. are you going to ask? You're going to ask us. <laughs> so, which is why I came up with this topic because my client who has been a client since she was very young and she inherited some family money and now she is going to be getting married. I'm so excited for her. And uh, I've literally been working with her for the entire 24 years of my career. Wow. I know. That's nice. It is. And what she realizes is money is not, one, her favorite thing or something that she really wraps her head around very easily. So she wanted to have these conversations with her fiance. And she came to me and said, would you do a session, a financial planning session with both of us? And I said, yes, absolutely. I'd be happy to, I'd be honored to. Sometimes talking with a financial professional who's a neutral third party can really help when things are uncomfortable or mm-hmm. you're just not really sure where to go with that. So, well, that's, I didn't want to interrupt you earlier, but no. that's exactly what I was thinking with number six, right? Avoiding the uncomfortable conversations because I think all of us come with, you know, the, the baggage, uh, baggage. Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say baggage, but I also want to refer to that other podcast. Your, your, the ideas on money. What was the podcast again? Your money messages. Money messages. We all come with our own money messages, quote unquote baggage, mm-hmm. because you may have experienced something. Your parents lost a bunch in the market, and now you're like, I am never going to get in the stock market because that almost ruined my parents. Well, that's one example, right? That right. You, you, maybe you bring to the table, but maybe your upcoming spouse, um, your significant other, they saw their family do very well with the money management that had they had done for them, and they have no fear of that. And that conversation is an emotionally charged one. So absolutely, I love the fact that this is, you know, your number eight is not asking for help when you need it. Getting a third party who can be the bad guy, quote unquote, or the good guy, right? Um, 
is is so powerful because you can take that off of the one of the spouses and just say, hey, this is what we need to talk about. Here is this, um, the hard conversation to have. You're the one initiating it instead of the person that they, they love and they have to go home with later. Right. <laughs> it's so important. And I, I was thinking about that when you were talking and like, yeah, oh, what if you really disagree in front of the financial advisor or financial planner and then you still have to go home? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, you just have to push through it in as kind of a way as you can with each other. You know, being kind is super important around money. Yes. So the last two kind of go together. And, you know, what we really want to do, uh, as I'm doing with my client, is having a pre wedding discussion or a discussion before you combine your households, you mm-hmm. know, whatever it happens to be for you. And that's not the only conversation that you should be having. You should be having regular conversations around money because your needs change over time, your goals change over time. And even if you're on the same financial page at the very beginning, you might not be 25 years down the road. Mm -hmm. And you won't know that if you're not continuing to have those conversations and you cannot bring yourself back to the same page if you're not having these conversations. So throughout your relationship, through your marriage, whatever it is, it's really important to continue to talk about money. Absolutely. Because there's cultural issues there too. Absolutely. That's, that's, you know, my my wife and I got married at 20. I had no idea. I mean, she's Hispanic and I'm very white and I never saw any family members living with other family members, but I found out, you know, probably 10 years after we were married that if her dad ever needed it, he's living with us. I'm totally fine with that at this point. But at 20, I may not have, I was like, wait, what, what, what what do you mean your dad's going to live with us? But that's how, you know, if that's the possibility that that happens, he's more than welcome. But that it's a very cultural thing that family takes care of family as long as they can until other services are needed. And we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But right. if you don't discuss this stuff, you could be surprised. Oh, it could be a very painful conversation if you don't discuss it. Absolutely. So here's a, a somewhat controversial, but also can be a money mishap uh, okay. if you're if you don't really think about this ahead of time. But when you have one partner who comes into the relationship who has substantial assets, it would be wise for you to discuss with an attorney whether or not you should have a prenuptial agreement. Hmm. A lot of people don't like that. And maybe you will decide with your legal advisor, not your financial advisor. So we don't give legal advice, but maybe you'll decide with them that having a prenup makes sense. So that's, that's a hard conversation. That's probably the hardest conversation I can see having. Um, But the good news is, there's good news. Uh, The more you talk about money, the easier it gets. I I promise you, (laughs) it gets easier. You know, having to have, well, having regular conversations around making decisions and what your goals are short-term, long-term, it becomes less stressful and you will ultimately build a better financial future together, one that you will both be happy with. So that's really good news. Now you talked earlier about the separate checking account 
idea that just didn't make sense to you. And we're seeing this a lot more with younger couples. Although my wife and I do this, uh, we have a joint checking account that we both contribute to. And we each have our own individual checking accounts. That way we both have our own money. And if I want to buy her a present, she's not going to know about it. There you go. <laughs> right? Well, go well as you described it, I'd never heard of that before. I, I'd never heard about doing a, I mean, when you described how your situation is where you put it in a certain percentage, she puts it in a certain percentage, and that's what goes into the joint account, and the rest goes into the your own accounts. I I never thought of it that way. And I never, I'd never heard that before because literally we've got some friends that they just have separate accounts and one of them pays certain bills. Like one pays the gas bill, one pays the electric bill, uh, you know, one pays the mortgage, one pays for, you know, so they have these things separated out and I, I just look at it and man, that's confusing. And I, I don't know if I would like that, but again, that's my own baggage, right? That I bring my right. parents were one joint account. Her parents were one joint account. That's how we learned how to do things. That's how we do them now. But I love your idea. I, I really, I really like how you two are doing it because that makes a lot of sense. And it's you're still combining the money to right. pay the major bills, and then you know you've got your own separate stuff to do what you want with too. Right, and you're also considering something for each person in this picture. Mm -hmm. Everyone should have their own discretionary spending money that the other partner isn't you know, watching like a hawk, what did you take that $50 out of the bank for? Or, mm -hmm. You know, we all want our own spending money. And that goes back to when we were kids. Yep. So create that for yourself. And, and these are three different ways of handling checking accounts and money processes. So you have to figure out what works best for you. Absolutely. When you have these discussions with your partner, whether you're starting a decade into your relationship or from the very beginning when you're combining your household, I really, really recommend that you set discussion parameters for each of you. You know, maybe you need to agree to lay all your cards out on the table from the very beginning. Um, mm -hmm. Each of you should have a turn in, you know, talking about what the particular money issue is that's come up here's a, here's kind of an important one. And this sounds a little funny, I think, but you know, you should agree that neither one of you gets to raise your voice, even if you're becoming distressed around mm -hmm. the conversation. If you have to take a break from the discussion, then tell your partner that and agree on when you will come back to the topic and where you will come back to the topic. So don't just brush it off and say, I can't talk about this, Yeah, absolutely. which is what happens. Yeah. But, you know, create your own parameters. One, you know, ones that work for you, for you and your partner to have a good and healthy discussion. I also recommend having these conversations monthly, set aside a date, first of the month, 15th of the month, whatever it happens to be, but you always have a conversation around your finances, your goals, your short-term goals, your long-term goals, see where you are. Are you on track? Do you, are, did you get off track? Do you need to adjust something? Even if you only have a 15 minute conversation one month, because everything's rolling along fine right now, that's okay too. But having that regular conversation will really create a money partnership 
and you'll be able to set long-term goals and probably achieve them better than others might not be able to do. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So I just want to wrap this up by saying there's no right way to manage your finances as a new couple or wrong way. What it's about is communication and trust and a little bit of planning. <laughs> it's maybe a lot of planning, but you know, you and your partner will have a relationship that is freer from conflicts and probably freer from conflicts around money than if you don't start this from the very beginning. So if you're struggling to come up with a plan that works with both of you, as I mentioned earlier, seek professional advice, talk to a financial advisor, talk to a financial therapist if necessary. But we here at Horizons are happy to help you with these conversations and get started on your lifelong planning journey and um, goal setting journey. So you can reach us at info at horizonssfs.com or via phone 505-982-9661. Awesome. Kim, thank you so much. Great information. I love the topic and I, I love the delivery and the solutions. I love the solutions. Yeah. Solutions are great. Absolutely. Uh, again, Kim, thank you so much for this. And of course, our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review as this actually helps others find the show. And it seems like a lot of you are doing that. So thank you for that. And also, Ooh. if you know a young couple, uh, some young folks that are getting together that need to hear this, help them get on the same page. It'll make the marriage so much smoother. I'm just going to say that out loud. Yep. <laughs> I just, it, it'll be great. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, email us at kim at horizonssfs.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at horizonssustfin or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.
None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.